on the block on demand. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 f- games this year. Okay? Not 10. Two seconds and one. It's 10 wins in a row for the crunch. It's the biggest upset in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years as the Orange hold off the defending national champions. They beat Clemson. The Bills make me wanna shout. McCoy in the backfield, takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. They look at the positive side of things once in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, ESPN Radio, Utica Row. What's happening, Mohawk Valley? Great to have you on board. You can listen on the ESPN app. Just hit the Listen tab, find ESPN Syracuse, and take us with you wherever you go. Here's how you get in touch with the program today, 437-7644. That is the phone number. I would say this normally. I would never do this. And I would probably get in trouble in other ways if I said, don't call this radio station. But I'm going to say, if you are driving out in this mess today, do not call this show, okay? This is a rare time when you hear me say, don't call. Because focus on the road. It's really bad out there. As I look at my little weather gadget here in studio, low visibility, three degrees Heavy snow, warnings in effect, travel advisories, all that stuff. For the love of God, take it easy out there. We'll take you home, man. It's going to be a little longer commute home or wherever you're heading today. A lot of you probably got out of work a little early because of, well, it is just an absolute disaster out there. It is a beyond planet Hofbad out there. Your tauntaun's not going to make it to the first marker without freezing to death. I'll see you in hell. So please take it easy. Do not call the show, though, if you're driving right now. As much as we appreciate you wanting to participate in the program, don't do that. But if you're safely by the fire or somewhere where you're not going to, you know, slide off the road, you're more than welcome to call it. 437-7644. You can text us to it, 288-0644. You can always hit us on Twitter, Brent X Media, Brent X Media. So, yes, uh, the, the day has arrived where we will discuss some NFL playoff games that are happening this weekend that you can hear on ESPN Radio Syracuse and K-Rock, your home for the yes. And how great is it that we are coming on the air today off the heels of Hall of Fame quarterback Jim Kelly appearing on the Daniel Baldwin Show, which is just spectacular. That is karma. That is well done by Daniel and Josh yeah, whatever. Pauly, I think, is there, too. And the crew on the Daniel Baldwin Show, because we need all the karma we can get. And it snowed in Florida this week, thanks to the bomb cyclone. I mean, it's all adding up here, kids. I think you know who I'm going to pick to win this football. All right? That's not really 
something I'm going to be able to hide throughout this show. But we will talk full NFL playoffs, not just the Bills and the Jaguars, all four games. It's a football Friday NFL blitz and my picks throughout the program. We've got other things to cover today. Belichick and Brady and the drama there and what's going to happen in New England. An amazing piece today from Seth Wickersham on ESPN.com who has just been killing it. He wrote the big article, member Jerry Jones and all the drama there at the owners' meetings, and he has done some of the best investigative journalism in sports in recent months, and a lot of it focused in on the NFL. So Brady, Belichick, Robert Kraft, I mean, we knew this trio was going to break up at some point, and the fact that they have lasted 18 years is nothing short of extraordinary. But the fact that it could end in this fashion, in the way that it seems to be happening, thanks to Seth Wickersham and what he is shining a light on, is what makes this really fascinating. So we will discuss that later, some hot takes to come. But, of course, we start with Syracuse basketball, the Orange and Notre Dame at the Dome tomorrow. And it is something that makes you kind of, how can I put this? It's, it's not ideal. You don't want to say to yourself, boy, Syracuse really has a shot in this game because of what Notre Dame doesn't have versus what you have. But the fact of the matter is, the Notre Dame, is if they get here, I haven't even seen if they have arrived yet. There's been a lot of travel advisories, and, I mean, just look out the window. It's Planet Hoth. So uh, seeing if Notre Dame arrives as they should, and I believe they have and will. I haven't heard anything to the contrary. But when Notre Dame arrives here in snowy Syracuse, they will not have Matt Farrell with them. As we found out last night, Mike Bray, the head coach at Notre Dame, said he's not even going to make the trip. That ankle injury is just bad enough that they're going to rest him and and see if they can get him back into action soon, but it will not be back in action tomorrow. We already knew that Bonzi Colson was not going to play in this game. That is not only your leading scorer and a guy that has scored in double figures in 32 consecutive games and a guy that has 31 double-doubles in his career. That is all something we knew. But the fact that Matt Farrell is not coming along for the ride. Now, Notre Dame went out Wednesday night, and they beat NC State, and they beat NC State convincingly. But when these things happen, and you're kind of going on raw emotion, that was a night at home when Mike Bray was coaching to become the all-time winningest coach in Notre Dame basketball history, See, and I want to relate this to how Syracuse can use this to their advantage in this game, and that is, you know, emotion, things that you get at home. We'll get to that in a moment. But I don't think the shock and awe had really settled in with Bonzi Colson being out, and you kind of rally and you go out there and play. It's like when a backup quarterback comes into a game, right? Starter goes down, backup comes in, and just slings it all over the field because the defense hasn't quite recognized him yet. And it's just sometimes raw emotion and, you know, testosterone, and momentum can carry you to a win. And I think that's what Notre Dame did Wednesday night. And not that NC State is really, you know, a team that could give Notre Dame a lot of trouble anyway. And it's one thing if you do that against Duke or Carolina or Virginia or a really good team. And NC State, I wouldn't put in that category. Farrell going down during that game. And now that it has settled in for a day or two and you have to come in and have had time to think about the fact 
that Matt Farrell is not there is a key advantage for Syracuse. Matt Farrell is the point guard. He runs the show. He's the guy that directs traffic. Bonzi Colson is a terrific player. He's one of the best players in the country. So that's enough of a hurdle to overcome. But it's sometimes it's not losing your best player, it's losing your most important player. Bonzi Colson would probably fit both of those categories, but Matt Farrell is right up there. He is right up there as one of the most important players on that team. That's a lot to overcome in a couple days to come into an environment. Now, I am very curious about what tomorrow's environment is going to be like at the Dome because look out the window. It is three degrees right now. It is a mess. It, it, this is some of the worst winter conditions that you can get in central New York. It, it is abysmal out there. And again, please be careful if you're driving home. Get home safe and Please take it easy. Take extra time. Visibility's awful. Blowing snow, wind, cold. I mean, come on. You're out there. You know it. Please, please take it easy. Don't be a cocky Central New Yorker. Hey, it's winter. I drive in this stuff all the time. I got my four-wheel drive. No, just please take deep breaths. Take it easy. Get home safe, okay? But I'm kind of wondering about this because today is like this. Tomorrow, the high, the forecast. Let me pull it up here because it's changed a little bit. According to uh, my iPhone, the meteorology team on my phone, two degrees. The high tomorrow is going to be two degrees. And I'm looking at this thing, and it's going to be 45 on Thursday, and that just sounds like downright bad. That's Hawaii weather at this point. It's going to be 43 degrees warmer than it is right now in just a few days. you got to love central New York. That is not a fun walk up to the Carrier Dome. That is not a weather situation that invites people to drive in from out of town if the if the roads are still bad and things aren't cleared out and there's still lake effect snow and so it's not a matter of how many people are in the building tomorrow it's those that choose to get through those hardy central new yorkers that will plow on through quite literally in this sense to be there because i think emotion and the home crowd and things that syracuse did not do wednesday night can happen in this game. Emotion, momentum, the crowd, and it all falls into what category? Intangibles will be a big factor in this game to me. Now, if you look at it straight up on the matchup, Notre Dame, even without Colson and even without Matt Farrell, Mike Bray loves to rotate. He is going to play nine guys, and he is going to try and wear down Syracuse. This is a Syracuse defense that there's no secret about it cannot shoot three-pointers, and cannot stop three-pointers. Notre Dame, again, Farrell's out, but they've still got some guys that can shoot. This is still a very talented team that is really good on the perimeter. So Syracuse is going to have to weather this storm. Notre Dame is 13th in the country in offensive efficiency. They make shots from the perimeter. Yes, Farrell is out. T.J. Gibbs steps in the other night who was averaging just under 15 points per game, scores 22 against NC State. Notre Dame does not turn the ball over. They average just nine turnovers per game. There's a lot that Notre Dame does well that Syracuse has to throw a monkey wrench into, which by the way they rebound, by the way they play defense in some areas, obviously they're struggling against the three, but generally this is a team that's bought into defense. 
Free throws are going to be huge in this one when they get the opportunities to get there. But I think the transfer at home will help in a couple of categories. One is, the other night, Wake Forest had 18 points off turnovers. Syracuse only had eight points off turnovers. To me, that's home court. I think there's two or three plays a game that happen by virtue of you're at home versus on the road. And calls don't go your way. And I think Syracuse will get some of those calls back. Now, that's not to say Frank Howard won't go out there and commit six more turnovers. You don't want to see that happen. But generally when you're at home and it's a big game and it's, again, I don't know how big the crowd's going to be, but I think the crowd's going to be into it who's there. Syracuse will get some of that momentum back. But Notre Dame doesn't turn the ball over. So how do you get a team that doesn't turn the ball over to turn the ball over? I'll tell you how. They don't have Matt Farrell in there. You go after the new guy. You go after whoever, and in this case, it's going to be a little bit of T.J. Gibbs. D.J. Harvey came off the bench the other night, and and he struggled this year, but was great against NC State. But I think Syracuse is better than NC State. You get after the players that are trying to figure it out. This is not a Notre Dame team that's coming in, clicking on all cylinders. They're making an adjustment. And you don't want it to be that way because it just sounds like, you know, an excuse. It sounds like, well, you didn't beat Notre Dame at full strength. It's like, look, that's sports. You play four months. Sometimes teams don't have their best guys. They have injuries. You know, stuff happens. And the most obvious thing for Syracuse is Tyus Battle's got to play well. And Tyus Battle has to play well for two halves of basketball. This has to be a game where Tyus Battle is shot out of a cannon and plays well for 40 minutes. Not one of those, eh, Battle's... And look, teams are throwing double teams at him. They're trying to take him out of the game. We're at that point of the season where there's a lot of film. Smart coaches are just going to say, I'm taking Tyus Battle out. And while Frank Howard is talented and O'Shea Brissett is talented, teams coming in, now that we're in league play... And smart coaches, and Mike Bray's a smart coach, No, Syracuse is very limited on the offensive end. If I can slow down Tyus' battle and put pressure on these other two to come through, I'm going to win that battle, no pun intended, more often than not. That being said, Tyus' battle is a great player, and sometimes plans blow up because they look good on film or they look good in planning, but when you get on a court with somebody and realize, wait a minute, that kid's pretty good. Syracuse needs battle for 40 minutes. They need him to come out of the shoot, score, attack, set the tone, and then let Frank Howard roll in. O'Shea Brissett, look, I don't have a big problem with how O'Shea's playing right now. I wrote it in my recap the other night. It's pretty rare that I do this. If you follow my recap on Syracuse.com, and thank you for those that do, you know how it works. I separate things into the sunny side and the dark side. O'Shea Brissett found himself in the rare gray area the other night. He wasn't really sunny side nor dark side. He was kind of in purgatory because he scored 16 points. He was the second leading scorer on the team. He made some big plays, but he was 5 of 16 shooting the ball. The big thing for O'Shea right now is he's getting to the basket. He's just not scoring. But that's half the battle. He can get to the hoop. He should get to the hoop. He'll have opportunities to get to the hoop, and guess who won't be there to greet him? Bonzi Colson. So this is one of those games that is an opportunity, and if Syracuse can steal this one against a really good team, with or without their best players, that'd be a big, big win. There's a lot of basketball to be played here. It's January 5th.
but these all add up. If you want to be a 10-win team in the ACC and you let one go the other night that you should have had, all these add up. 437-7644, Brent Dax Media on Twitter. The text line is 288-0644. Plenty more on Syracuse and Notre Dame. I do want to talk some NFL playoffs throughout the show. We've got some hot takes to come. Did you hear how much? Now, this is reportedly. But even if Schefter's off a little bit here, the report is 10 years, $100 million for John Gruden. May I remind you that John Gruden has not coached an NFL football game since 2008. And he is about to become the richest coach in football, which is amazing in one sense. It's not just the Raiders, though. Every other owner in football has got to be looking in Oakland saying, what the hell are you doing? Which, by the way, that's pretty much the history of owners looking to Oakland saying just that. Started with Al, and now it's Mark. The Davises just win, baby. So we'll get into that, but... Man, this Belichick-Brady-Kraft thing, the ESPN article today, this really deserves its own segment and a lot to dig into. And we will do that next. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. Don't go anywhere. This is On the Block with Brent Ash. Sure is, voicemail. Welcome back. Glad to have you here. Let's jump right in with that fancy open. It's hot take time. We've got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Why, thank you. So are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. So hot and hot. Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so hot, I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. (laughs) It's time for Hot Takes on the Block. You need some scorching sports takes to keep you warm on a frigid two-degree day in central New York. That is what we are here to do. I'm here to serve, ladies and gentlemen. So we start. This is incredible. John Gruden has not coached an NFL football game since 2008. In John Gruden's final six years as an NFL head coach, he was 45-61. and John Gruden won a Super Bowl in Tampa Bay with Tony Dungy's players. That is indisputable. John Gruden is a good coach. John Gruden won a Super Bowl. He had a lot of winning seasons. I'm not saying that John Gruden doesn't deserve some sort of credit here. But this is not Belichick-like. This is not Bill Walsh-like. This is not Lombardi. This is not Parcells. This is a pretty good NFL football coach who somehow built himself into this guru and the further away he got from the game the better he became as a head coach now I've been on the record as saying in hot takes I don't want to contradict myself I think this is a brilliant move for the Raiders I think it's the right move for the Raiders because if they just hire another coordinator or another guy like you have that guy Jack Del Rio was that guy so if you're going to fire Jack Del Rio which they probably didn't really need to do you got to go bold. Gruden's bold. They love him in Oakland. He's Chucky. They're moving to Vegas in a couple years. They got to put some energy not only into that move, you got to sell some tickets and energize your fan base because you're still in Oakland for another year or two. And you don't want people, you know, to abandon ship. As loyal as those Raider fans are, I mean, it's going to start settling in here. Like, oh, <laughs> lose this team. By the way, I find it fascinating that the Raiders were too poor to build their own stadium and contribute to that and were 
looking for taxpayer-funded stadiums, and they just paid a football coach $100 million, according to Adam Schefter. It's funny how that works. Yes, I know stadiums cost billions of dollars, but you can't uh, cry poor over here and then go pay a coach $100 million. So I've been saying the past few days how spectacular of an idea this was. And then I saw the price tag, and I was like, well then, good luck to you there. So there's a few things that happens here. I want to see the contract. Is that $100 million guaranteed? Is there a lot of back-end stuff there? I mean, contracts can be certainly manipulated, but just the concept that Mark Davis would say, I'm going to pay a man who's been in a television booth for a decade, had a losing record in his final six years as head coach, $10 million a year is incredible. The other thing is, and it's happened before with all the other owners in football pointing at Oakland at a Davis who owns the team saying, what are you doing? But that's exactly what's happening here. The market just went way up for coaches. If you're going to give Gruden that kind of money, let's say Schefter's off a little bit because the report was 10 years, $100 million. Let's say you're a little off there. He's going to be the highest paid coach in football. And he hasn't coached for a decade. If I'm Bill Belichick and this ends up that he's out of New England, well, what do you got to pay him to not only coach your team? He's going to run the darn thing. Gruden's not even going to be the GM, too. He'll have say. He'll have a lot of authority on everything. He may be Belichick-like, but it's not on the same level. What can coaches demand now if John Gruden is getting this kind of money? Look, the market goes up, and there's we talked about this with quarterbacks. Derek Carr, $25 million a year. Kirk Cousins, franchise tag. You know, I think if they franchise him again, they've got to pay him $28 million. Matthew Stafford was the highest paid quarterback in football. It's just when your contract comes up. and the, But player contracts are different because it's front-loaded money and it's signing bonuses and it's, you know, you can manipulate that stuff. Gruden, again, I want to see how much of this is guaranteed, but... The fact that they would make this kind of leap and to say that he's worth it, is he? Is Gruden worth that? It's funny how the further away you get, the more you become, you know, John Gruden, he's a Hall of Famer, first ballot. No, he was a good coach who was a pretty good analyst on Monday Night Football. And then Tony Romo came along and showed how you really should be doing that job. And Gruden said, okay, yeah, maybe I'll go back to coaching. You know, if I'm Bill Cowher, by the way, and that New York Giants job is open and Gruden's getting that kind of cash, I might all of a sudden get the itch to coach again. Well, this relates to the Giants. So I'm Dave Gettleman. I just took over as general manager of the Giants. I'm taking my time finding my next coach. They have requested permission to talk to Josh McDaniels and Eric Studesville and a bunch of guys. They interviewed Matt Patricia, I believe, today. Well, what if Belichick's out there? Is it worth it for Dave Gettleman? If you have a chance, if you can back-channel and find a way like, yes, he would come back. There's roots there. There's a reason to do this, and I don't want to compare the two because they're not exactly the same, but Gruden turned down how many head coaching jobs over the last decade, why did he go back to Oakland? Because there is an emotional appeal there. They love him there. He's got a connection with the owner. If Belichick's going to go somewhere else, the Giants would be a very logical choice. He should have been 
the successor to Bill Parcells to start with. And, you know, there was a 30 for 30 promo that came out that's going to be Belichick and Parcells and Harry Carson's quoted in there that Belichick should have been the coach. And, you know, it's revisionist history. You can always go back on that, but that'd be great motivation for Belichick to go there. And it's not that crazy a concept because you say, well, that might be a month from now because Belichick could win the Super Bowl again this year. Hey, San Francisco waited for Kyle Shanahan. And you know what? New general manager, new approach. John Lynch waited it out. They got their man, and now things are looking up because they got Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy G, 5-0 and starting quarterback, and they seem to be a team on the uprise. They waited for their man. It's only been a year. Jury's still out, but it seems to be paying off. This is fascinating because if I'm Gettleman, I'm like, nope, I need a coach. I need to establish where we're going here. I need to tell people this is the direction we're taking. Or do you ride this out? Because your backup plan's probably Matt Patricia or Josh McDaniels or a coach that is currently in the playoffs that you got to wait for anyway. Is there a way? And the, if the answer to that is yes, not only do you find a way. That's hot. You go to John Mara and you say, okay, first of all, you're going to have to give me a blank check. Second of all, think of what we just went through. Ben McAdoo, the embarrassment of benching Eli Manning, and, you know, one of the worst seasons we've ever had here. You want to be a conquering hero in the offseason and make everybody forget about that? Yeah, how about we bring in Bill freaking Belichick? To coach. And again, this is assuming things break down in New England and, and he's out of there. That'd be quite the makeup call right there. Lamar Jackson has declared for the NFL draft. So Rosen is in, Josh Allen is in, Sam Darnold is in. We know Baker Mayfield's in because his eligibility's up. Lamar Jackson has declared for the draft. He's the first player in college football history to record at least 3,500 passing yards and 1,500 rushing yards in consecutive seasons. Set Louisville records for total offense, rushing yards, rushing touchdowns, which was 50, and total touchdowns, which is 119. Mel Kuyper Jr. ranks Lamar Jackson as the number seven draft-eligible quarterback for 2018. Another stat to throw at you, because Syracuse fans who had not heard this news and now heard this news just yelped. Yes! That guy's gone. Lamar Jackson, in two football games against Syracuse, in two years, had nearly 1,000 yards combined and nine touchdowns. We all know what happened at the Dome last year when Louisville won that game, what was it, 62-28, and it was the Lamar Jackson show. Well, it happened again this year. Louisville blew out Syracuse, and it was pretty much the Lamar Jackson show in the rain. I'm curious why people feel he's down the list. And Lamar Jackson is going to have to fight off this stigma that a lot of quarterbacks coming into the league in recent years have had to fight off while he's a runner. And this is the problem with Tyrod Taylor in Buffalo right now. The the stigma is, well, he runs the ball too much. He, He runs out of trouble. He can't throw the ball. Well, we'll see that tomorrow. Or pardon me, on Sunday. When your Buffalo Bills take on Jacksonville, I mean, they're going to have to throw the football. If LaShawn McCoy plays, he's not that effective. And, you know, God bless Murphy, but tell me my man's going to rip off 130 yards against the Jacksonville defense, even though they're 20th in the NFL against the run. I'd love to see it, but probably not likely. Look, 
the fact that Lamar Jackson has that many rushing touchdowns is an asset because I've also seen him throw the ball. I've seen him put the ball in windows that really good elite quarterbacks can do. I see arm strength there. I see a player that is not Tyrod Taylor, is not, I'm trying to make comparisons here. I think Lamar Jackson's got a shot at the next level. I really do. Now, it's the question of, is Lamar Jackson the type of guy that if you identify, you go through all the processes and you look at all these quarterbacks and you say, okay, that's the guy I want. Is he first-round material? Because if you have identified a quarterback you want, it's not about how high you take them. It's never too high if it's a guy you want. By the way, that sounds like a bad thing, being the seventh draft-eligible quarterback in 2018. That could still be a first-rounder. Because listen to all the names I just rattled off. Rosen, Darnold, Mayfield, Allen. They're all going top 20 picks probably. So Lamar Jackson, if enough teams move up, enough teams in the first round draft quarterbacks that need him, he's going to be hanging there. I'm biased. I think we're all biased in a way because he just lit up Syracuse the last two years, and I've watched a lot of his games the last two years, but... Or did we see a player who's just that much better than college football players, but you put him on the level in the NFL with linebackers that can catch up to him? With NFL speed, NFL defenses, is he just another guy? Well, that's the question. Baker Mayfield makes a lot of plays, and he's you know basically Russell Wilson's height, and that's what's going to hold him back. NFL talent evaluators will always go back to Traditional pocket quarterback size. That's why they love Rosen, Darnold, and Allen. And on that note, we'll take a break. We'll talk some more Syracuse hoops coming up top of the hour. The NFL Blitz is on the way. The pick six is on the way. I don't think we have six games to pick, but we will make our NFL picks. We've got a lot to do to close it out next hour. Stay right there. Thank you. Bye-bye.